So tonight we're going to be starting a four-week series on missions, but it's also going to be a little different. I'm going to talk, well, however long I talk, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, when I'm done, Pastor Jeff's going to come and he's going to talk more and give more details that pertain to our church about how we, how we do missions and how we are involved in missions and how you can be involved um, in missions as well. So hopefully tonight when you leave, you'll have a better understanding about why missions matter. You, maybe you've asked that before. Why does it really matter if I give to missions? Why does it matter uh, what's going on uh, outside of, uh, outside of our, our borders? But hopefully tonight you'll have a better understanding of that and how you can be involved. And so after Pastor Jeff speaks um, about the church and how we participate in missions, you'll have a better idea of what part can you play um, in this. And every single person in here, if you know Christ, you have a part uh, to play. So the question is, is why missions? And that's what we'll be talking about tonight. First, we see in Matthew 28. So you can go there with me, please. Matthew chapter 28. First thing you'll see here is why, why missions is that we are commanded to. We're commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. So Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first thing we see when it comes to missions is that we are commanded to do this. It's not like a suggestion. Uh, we are commanded to do this. And what does he say? He says to, says to go, therefore make disciples. So we are to go and bring the gospel. We are to do that, to make disciples. And then what do we do? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them. So this whole process, they become Christians, and then we need to teach, they're, they're baptized, and then we get to teach them uh, all, all the commandments, uh, teach them God's word. And so we are commanded to go. So the first reason of why missions is we are commanded to do this. Second thing we see, we'll find in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What we see here is that God's plan is to use the church to reach the nations. What makes up the church? The people. So God's plan to reach the nations is, is the church or the people of God. And he says, you will be my witnesses. We are the ones who are to testify to the greatness and the glory of God and the salvation that Jesus Christ came to bring. He says, you will be my witnesses. This has always been God's plan. So we're commanded to do it. This is God's plan. And he says, where? In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, which would be every nation, tribe, and tongue. A lot of times we get, it's hard to get outside of our own, our own selves, <laughs> even as Americans, 
is think this is, a, this is an American thing. America is a Christian nation. Uh, it was founded upon Christian principles, and we, we have a hard time getting outside of that. And we have to get outside of ourselves and say, no, salvation is, or the gospel is meant to go to the ends of the earth. That's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. There could be tribes somewhere that we don't know exist, and they don't know we exist. But every tribe, tongue, and nation is the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem, maybe that would be like here. That would be Midland. This might be people that you know, people you work with, somebody across the street. Um, I don't know, but it's, so, it's near, those who are near. They need, the go- <clears throat> Excuse me, they need the gospel. There's people in your life who are not saved who need the gospel. All Judea, maybe in Samaria, maybe that's like the state, the nation, and then, of course, the end of the earth. So we are commanded to go and make disciples of all nations, we are to, then God's plan is to use the church to be his witnesses. And then also we see that every nation, tribe, and tongue will be represented in heaven. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Go to Revelation chapter 7. Verses 9 through 12. After this I looked... And this is chapter 7, verse 9. And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from, every, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out to one with loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, <clears throat> throne and around the, the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worship God, saying, Amen. Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is picturing people from every tribe, people from every nation, people of every tongue, coming together before the throne of God and worshiping him. And so we have brothers and sisters tonight, of course, here in this room. We also have them all around the world. And a lot of these, we'll talk about our missions here in just a little bit with Pastor Jeff. But we support people all over the world. We have brothers and sisters all over the world who are worshiping God as we do. And one day we will worship them with them together in heaven. And so missions is about every tribe, every nation, every tongue being represented in heaven. In John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he says this. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal in missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of peoples and the greatness of God. And I love that he says that. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We were created by God for God. We were created to worship God. Of course, sin entered into the world and we fell. And now we don't worship God. 
And so, therefore, the gospel is needed. John Piper, he goes on to say, um, all of history is moving toward one great goal, the white-hot worship of God and his Son among all peoples of the earth. Missions is not that goal, it is the means. The means of worshiping God is that we make disciples who worship God. And so we engage in missions, that this may be a reality. But there are still so many people who have never heard of Jesus or the gospel, and so we have to have this sense of urgency about it. This sense of urgency that there are people around the world who have never heard of God. They've never heard of Jesus Christ. They've never seen a Bible, never heard, the, heard of, of, of Jesus and, his, and that he came to save. They don't know God. They've never even heard of him. And so we have to have this sense of urgency. Now, some of these people may live across the street from you, or maybe they work with you who don't know, the, who don't know Christ. There's people in our city who have never heard the name of Jesus. Occasionally you come across those. But there are, still, there are so many who have never heard the gospel. In the largest group of these unreached people, however, they reside in what is known as the 1040 window. And some of you may be familiar with that, some of you may not. But the 1040 window is uh, it's called, uh, it's, it's this rectangular area of North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. It's approximately 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude. And that's, that is where a majority of the world's population lives, is in the 1040 window. It's often called the resistant belt. It includes a majority, again, of the world's Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, which, would be, which is why it's called the resistant belt. Is that those, those are very, very difficult places. Approximately 5.27 billion individuals residing in 8,000 886 distinct people groups are in this window. Think about that. Distinct people groups. They're different. Maybe they live in China, but even like within China, there's tons of people groups. Think about every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And so 5.27 billion individuals residing in 8,886 distinct people groups. And of those distinct people groups, 6,192 of these people groups are considered unreached and have a population of 3.26 billion. 3.26 billion are considered unreached. That's almost half the world's population. They're considered unreached. So an unreached people group, in case you're, you're wondering what that means, but an unreached people is a people group among which there are no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. So there are either no Christians or very few. And they're so few in number that there's no way they could possibly evangelize their whole, this whole people group without outside help. So 3.26 billion people 6,192 distinct people groups are considered unreached. And these people all reside in the uh, 1040 window. Of course, those are some hard places to get into. We have some missionaries that we support that have had, they've gotten creative. Uh, we, have one, we have one that is able to uh, 
they're able to work with refugees. So you can't get into the country, but they cut, the refugees are coming so you can uh, reach them there. So there's, we have to get creative on how we do these things. But we have some of our missionaries who are doing those kinds of work. We have missionaries who are inside this 1040 window and are, who are doing the hard work in hard places. But it's a difficult, difficult thing. And there's so many people who don't know Christ and have never heard the name of Jesus. So we must care about the lost and desire to introduce them to the Savior. And again, <clears throat> our church does support some missionaries that serve in this window, but more missionaries and pastors are needed. And I believe uh, BBC, or Baptist Bible College, uh, well, no, it's the BBFI. Is it 938, Jeff? The project? In the fall, we did the Project 938. We gave you a handout with the QR codes that you could, you could scan and watch the little video about them and praying that God would send more uh, missionaries and more workers into the harvest. Um, we have we, more missionaries and pastors are needed. And we have people in all these different areas that we prayed for in that Project 938. But that comes from Matthew 9, if you'll go there with me, 36 through 38. That's where that Project 938 comes from. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38. You know, I'm going to start in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he says he had compassion for them. He cared. He recognized that they were lost. Says that he, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And see, it is our desire as a church, and we've talked about the uh, with Pastor, we've talked about these things, but it's our desire as a church that God would call out. Call people out of our church to be pastors and to be missionaries. And so that, that is our prayer is that God would be doing, that he would call people from our church to do this. Because truly the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The number of pastors and missionaries uh, being produced is declining drastically. That number has gone way down. People aren't doing that anymore. And so we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would call people out of our church to do this, to be pastors, to be missionaries, uh, because those numbers are declining so drastically. You know, maybe, and again, maybe somebody in here. Maybe God's calling you to do that. I don't know. But we're praying that God would do that. Particularly our youth, our youth, and if you have kids that are in the youth and they come and they want to talk about being a missionary, don't just dismiss that. And just say, nope, not doing it. If God's working on their heart, encourage that. Is that and, that, and again, that's hard. It's a scary thought. But we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he, would, that he would do this. So how can you be involved? First of all, we can pray for our missionaries. And when you came in, hopefully you grabbed one. If you didn't grab one, you can get one here in just a little bit. We have an updated list of our missionaries. 
And you can pray for all these different people. And so this is all the missionaries and, and organizations that we support, that our church supports. And there's, there's a bunch of them. But uh, you can go in there. If, if you're not in a Bible class, I'd encourage you to get in a Bible class. Read their letters every week that they send and what's going on and how we can pray for them. But pray for our missionaries. We have a lady in our church who can't get out anymore. But she, she requested that we send her the prayer letters every week and she prays for our missionaries. See, you can do that. Anybody can do that, but pray for our missionaries. Another way you can be involved, pray that God would call pastors and missionaries out of our church, like I just talked about. Maybe there's a young couple that God's working on, that God's calling. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a little bit older couple. I don't know. But if God's calling you, maybe he's calling you to go. (laughs) So pray that God would call people out of our church. And, and to be pastors and missionaries. And then maybe, again, he's calling you to go. Maybe he's calling you to go. Maybe he's not. But then there's another way you can be involved, and that is to send. Financially support those who are called to go. So not everybody's called to go, but we, they can't go if we don't send. They can't go if people don't give. And so we give toward missions to send those who are called to go. You think about, we, we have uh, Brian and Giselle Kane who are out of our church. And they, they went around and they did the whole thing that Jeff's going to talk about here in just a minute. But um, and they, they came out of our church. God called them. They, heard, they answered and, they, and they've gone. They're in the Philippines. They're doing, doing the work of the Lord there. It's our, it's our job to financially support them to be able to do that work. And so you can either, so again, just to recap there, pray for our missionaries. Pray that God would call pastors and missionaries out of our church. Again, maybe some of you, God's calling to go. And if you're not called to go, you can help send. You can help send them and financially support them to be there. All of us have a part in missions. And John Piper, again, offers a great reminder as I wrap this part up, and then I'm going to hand off to Pastor Jeff. But he says, missions <clears throat> is not a recruitment project for God's labor force. Now, let me just, before you say that, when somebody become, comes to know Christ, um, they have a ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, so that's not, that's not what he's getting at here, though. But he says, missions is not a recruitment project for God's labor force. It is a liberation project from the heavy burdens and hard yokes of other gods. People are enslaved to sin without hope. They're enslaved to sin without hope. They are in need of being liberated from their sin. Liberated from this slavery, that they, what they've been enslaved to. They're in need of the freedom that is found in Christ. And so that is why missions. It's for the glory of God that people would come to know Christ, and that brings him much glory. And so with that, uh, Pastor Jeff's going to come up, and he's going to talk about um, what our church does, and how, again, how you can be involved in that. As you saw with your list, if you didn't get one, pick one up on the way out. I stole somebody's because I forgot to get one, so I'll just be honest, I forgot to get it. But if you look at this, there's two different ways we kind of do missions here. Number one, all of these that are listed in the organizations we give monthly to. And so that would be what we would consider regular missions. 
Each one of these we give monthly to to help them do whatever that organization may be or wherever they're at. Also, we have a thing called special missions. There'll be projects that come up. And then, you know, we did the thing in Costa Rica. So these projects come up. And what we do with that is we give over and above to help with a project that they may have. We did the cannonball run at our church in June. That money went to help fund other projects that were going on in Central America. And so, but here's what happens. When you give monthly to missions, whether it be a dollar, whether it be a million dollars, well, nobody does that. But if you feel led tonight, feel free. But uh, in the process of doing that, we give so much a month to these individuals, to these couples, to these organizations. Most of them that we give to, depending on how long we've been a part of their ministry or whatever, but most of them between $250 and $500 a month. You may go, wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. The average church gives our missionaries between $50 and $100 a month. On average, it takes a missionary to raise the money between to live on. Now, this counts for them to live and their family and also for their ministry. They're raising all of that the way we do missions. And I'm going to explain that more in just a minute. To a poor country, they might be able to get by for $4,000 a month. Okay? To like Europe and some of these other countries, it may take 7000 So if you take, let's say, $5,000 a month, and you take $100 a month, that's 50 churches they have to get to support them at $100 a month. If they do an average of 50, which is probably closer to that, that's 100 churches they have to find that will give them $50 a month. And then pray they keep supporting them that way. And the way they do is they set it up. We have what we call the BBFI, which is the Baptist Bible Fellowship International. It is a fellowship of pastors and churches that we're a part of, and independent churches, most of them. Some Southern Baptists are a part of this as well. But what we do is we, we give monthly to this organization, and they have men and women there who organize and oversee all of these missionaries. Most of them that we support are through that organization. Brian and Giselle Kane are through that organization. So to be approved to be a missionary through the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, you may go, how do we know who to support? I get calls, Sam and I get calls every day for missionaries to try to take them on. How do we know if they're legit? How do we know if they're not? One other thing is the church they're out of. We check into that. But also just like the ones out of our church, we have Brian and Giselle, we have the barns that I'm responsible for them. So that if something goes wrong, I will be going to visit with them or talk with them. And the churches that are supporting them are looking even to me to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, if if someone wants to be a missionary, let's say, they go through this organization... And what happens, they have to have so much education, then they have to intern at a church or on a mission field or something like that for, it was two years, some of them they're letting go a year just depending on the situation, but let's say two years. Then they have to go through an interview process and be approved. Once they're approved, then they start going out what we call deputation. They go out to all the churches and try to raise support. 
And when they get enough to cover in this organization, the BBFI, the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, helps them determine how much they will need. So it's not just a random thought, hey, I want to live high on the hog there, so I want to get raised $10,000. They won't let them do that. They help them establish how much they need to raise. They watch over them. They turn in all the reports to them, and they, have, they, will, they monitor how much was spent on their personal and how much was spent on their ministry. So they're overseeing that all the time. They help them with their taxes, all these things to make sure everything's on the up and up. And so we pay that organization so much a month to help oversee all these missionaries. So we send a check for those missionaries out of that organization, one check, and they divide it all up. They know who it goes to for our church, and they, they make sure it's all taken care of. One of the things that's interesting, I'm on an advisory board for that organization now. And I've kind of been doing some of this with them for a few years. But one thing that broke my heart that I was talking to them about is most of our missionaries that have been around, some of you have been around for, for a while and you've seen them, they were not allowed to take any retirement. Any money they used for personal, they were not allowed to own homes there. Brother Barry did a lot of this to make sure some of ours could even have a home there that they could own. But what happened is because they didn't want the finances to begin to that they use it inappropriately. I understood some of their reasoning, but some of it we didn't agree with. So anyway, in the process of this, beginning to work through these things, that so they could have a retirement, they give their whole life on the mission field. And like John Barnes, no retirement. He wasn't allowed to have it. Now you think about if you were at your job, and nothing to be able to do and never have a retirement. And we kind of went in and go, that's not right. And so now they've changed some things to allow the missionaries to begin to put aside an amount to be able to build so that one day when they come off the field or else they stay there till they die, which I understand a lot of them, they'll live there, but their ministry becomes ineffective. So some of them that we know have been around for a while, we've cut back once they retire, but we still give them a little bit to help them retire because they've given their whole life to the Lord. And so we try to make that a part. But as we look at this and we think about this organization and how that they go through and they try to really look at and make sure these missionaries are taken care of. We had a meeting this summer and, and we were talking about what missions is going to look like in a few years. They're not going to want people from America. We don't know what missions it's going to look like. One of the things that we believe differently than what a lot of uh, maybe even denominations or whatever do for missions is one of the things we try to do and what we try to support and we're a part of is these missionaries go and they reach people with the gospel. Let's say we'll just take John Barnes, for example. Many of y'all know him. You've heard of him. They've been around enough. He goes to Costa Rica and he begins to share the gospel with people. They get saved, and he begins to train a pastor, or pastors, plural, to begin to take the church. So what happens is he kind of pastors the church for a little bit, gets it going, trains a pastor, they take over, a national. Then he moves on and starts another one. And like what he wanted to do is he wanted to go around, all the way around San Jose, Costa Rica, the kind of the capital city. And what he would do, the largest city at least, and so what he did is every three miles he went and started because 
in a mile and a half radius, there would be over 50,000 people. So he would go in there, start a church, and then three miles move, start another church, and he went almost, he's gone almost all the way around the city. He started 55 churches. They all have national pastors that he kind of oversees and stuff like that. And even before me, even before Brother Barry and stuff, what we began to do is when we'd send money there, the interest rate there is like was, and I'm not sure what it is as of today, but 36%. Can you imagine a church, a young church, trying to take a loan for 36% and try to pay it back? Never happening. So what we did is, and we've done this multiple times, the church we just built in Costa Rica, we did the very same thing too that we built a few years ago, is that we do not just give them money. We give money to build the church. It goes into a fund, and these, these churches begin to tithe and give back, and they pay back that loan interest-free. So as it's going back in, what happens is then the, another church can pull out of it, use it for something, pay it back in. So that's how we've been able to do all of these churches there. We have three accountants set up down there that they have to go through and monitor to make sure everything's being done on the up and up. The pastors there, these national pastors, every month have to come to a meeting and then they have to bring all their finances from their church and these three accountants go through it to make sure it's all done on the up and up. So I tell you that to say the money that you give, we take it seriously. It's not that we just try to throw it away. We try to monitor it to make sure it's being used for the best to bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior. And the BBFI helps do that. Not all of our missionaries are through the BBFI, but a lot of them are. So what happens a lot, and you can see this on the organizations, is what happens is to help train these pastors, we help start Bible colleges in these countries. There's one in Central America, there's one in the Philippines, it's called it's Baptist Bible Fellowship, Baptist Bible College Asia. And we started these that these Filipinos, these Central American, Latin Americans can go to this school, they can get a degree in Bible, learn how to do ministry, learn how to do pastor a church, learn how to do missions, and then they can all go out. Because it's so hard, some of them they don't speak the English language, we can't send them to college here. They'd never get it. So we started these colleges, and we've helped be a part of that to help train and equip these all around the world. Just like in Pakistan, we have a niece there. And one of the things about a niece is he's now gotten a degree, and a, a, or a master's degree, that he can start teaching, and he's starting to build a Bible institute, a Bible college in Pakistan, that he can begin to teach Pakistanis how to pastor a church, how to lead a church, how to reach people. And that's the way it's going to work, is when we're training those around the world and they can reach their own people. Because here's what happens so many times in missions. They see, like, say, me come as a missionary. It takes so long even to build the trust because they go, how long is he going to stay? Is he going to stay here? We don't know. He doesn't know our culture. He's so different. It's so but they can go in there, begin to train and equip these and begin to build these relationships, and then they can start the church, and then they can move on to someone else. 
So that's the model that we use. Some of the organizations, if you look on your little sheet here, you look back on the organizations while we're on that, you can look at even MANA. One of the things about MANA, MANA goes around and we support it. They go in and help missionaries, okay, by using feeding centers and things. And a lot of these feeding centers and orphanages that they start, they go in and they let the church go and do an outreach of feeding some of the kids in these poor countries. So these kids come in, and the only way they can be fed, they get, they get a Bible story, but also many times the people have to come to the church. And when your kid's starving, you'll come to church. And so they begin to come to church, and the missionaries are the ones doing the serving. It's in their church that they're coming to eat, and then the parents are coming. And this is what Brian and Giselle are doing. They're doing a tutoring thing through a different organization because we're in the process of getting them together with MANA. But they go in, and if they want to be tutored, their child wants to be tutored and also fed, the parents have to come to a Bible study. If they do not come to the Bible study, their child's not allowed to be a part of that. Now, you may go, well, that's terrible for the kid. No, you're, they're using it as an outreach, and most of the, there's only been one not stay. The rest of them have said, we want to be a part of this, and we want our child to be a part of this, and so we're willing to do the Bible study. And so you use that, and you begin to teach them and train them about who God is, share the gospel, they get saved, and then it begins to build. But as manna, what they do is they start these feeding centers. They helped it. They do orphanages. And we've been a big part of a lot of these. <clears throat> but one of the needs we found out we were missing is that they would have to come out of the, or- the orphanage at like 14 years of age. That's just a government law. Then what happens to them? They go to the streets. So they began to build some things where put some, organiz- some things in place, kind of some organizations if you want to see say that these older kids could come into and then learn a skill so they don't go to the streets. And then they go right back into the system, if you want to say. When you look down at our home missions, the Basin Dream Center, that's what that place is. We came in contact with them, and one thing that happens with girls when they come in off this stuff, they end up on the streets and stuff like that, they end up being trafficked. Tid. I don't know how you'd say that. Trafficked. Tid. But anyway, and you may not think that goes on in Midland. It goes on in Midland. But what they do is they pull these girls in, and and they're working with guys too. Now they're starting a thing with guys that they're teaching. Sewell Ford is teaching them how to be a mechanic. The Midland College and the hospital is teaching these women how to be nurses and to help educate them so they can be on their own and go out and not fall into the system, if you want to say, and be lost. And so some of these are just like the Life Center that we support to help with abortions and things like that. Some of these local things we're a part of <clears throat> that we try the Baptist Crisis Center for those who are on the streets or need food or whatever. We support them so that they can. We don't have a food pantry here to serve everybody, but we support them and they help those the people we send down there. And so we do some of those. Then you go into the international. That's what man is doing worldwide. And so as we see these, and even in Pakistan, Anis is doing the same thing. And some of these kids, they're looking at opportunities to reach children, and it can start a whole new generation. And just like us that have kids and stuff, you begin to go, I want the best for my child. And we go in and we're able to do that, but the best thing for them is the gospel, that they come to know Christ. 
And so these ways that we're trying to do that around the world, and these organizations seem to help some of that. Some of you may not know what some of these are. That's why I'm trying to explain them so you would have a good idea of what they are. And then Trailhead International is our missionary, Brian Weed. He got in contact with them, and it's an organization, and they're Christian businessmen who want to help build things, pretty much, churches or whatever, around the world. Well, Brian Weed, he's a go-getter. He got involved with them to try to be the one for Latin America, Central and South and America. And they hired him on as well. So he's using these businessmen also, along with churches, kind of what we did this summer, to raise money. And then they have experts in the fields that go down there and help build these things. When we were there in Costa Rica helping build that church, one of the things I realized is they do things a lot different than we do here. And in the process of that, most of this, these countries are very corrupt. So Trailheads has enough in knowledge in all of these dealings with all these different countries. They can go in and make sure everything is done the way it's supposed to be. They understand the legal side. They understand the business side. They understand all that. And so we've kind of we partnered with them to help protect, again, the money we have, the money we send. And so it's a, it's a great organization, and they're doing some really great things. I've been in a few meetings with them and to get, a, to get a feel for what they're doing and very impressed by what all they do. So we think about these, these organizations, but then also we go back to the individuals. <clears throat> and here's the thing to really pray for when you pray about for our missionaries. Knowing each one of these are out there trying to do what God's called them to do. They don't have support groups many times. We're trying to work on that to make sure they can. But many times they're in a strange culture. They're trying to learn. They're trying to reach people that do not really trust them. And then also they're trying to reach people who, that are trying just to use them. Meaning, here comes someone from the United States. They're rich. So I'm going to use them to get their money. So you have to take that. But here's what I think I want you to do when you pray about missionaries. Is I want you to pray for their kids. Because here's the thing. The kids aren't called. And my daughter, she was talking, we were talking the other day, her and my mom, her mom and me, Lisa and I and her. And she was telling us, she goes, you know, I meet missionary kids at Bible college. And I, I always heard you dad say that the child was not really called. They're almost drug around in all this. And that couple of these girls have told Ellie, they went, that was so hard. We went to these churches, the same thing over and over and over again. We're not allowed to talk. We go to dinner. They ask all these same questions. We have to sit there. We have to be on our best behavior over and over and over again. We're thrown into a, a world we didn't ask to go to. We're having to try to understand and live in an environment. We don't get to play all the sports that the people who we don't understand. Then they live there for a while and they come back. They don't fit in anywhere. They've kind of learned this culture, even though they don't fit. They come back to the States. They don't understand it. It's totally different when they left. They don't feel like they fit in. And so I want you to pray for their kids. You may already know if they have kids or not. Because some things we can't post those. 
just so you know for, for safety things. But when you pray for a missionary, you can pray. And if they have kids, Lord, be with the kids. Because they struggle. God blesses a lot of them, and a lot of them end up back in missions, which is wonderful. But a lot of them struggle. We've had missionaries have to come off the field because the kids couldn't handle it. And I get it. Parents get it. But I want you, I want you to pray when you pray for the kids. I want you to pray for our kids, as Pastor Sam said. I want you to pray for ours, that some of ours will go. That pray for your own, possibly. Because here's the thing. God doesn't bless selfishness. And if you pray, send all the other ones, but not mine, God's not going to bless that. Be willing to say, Lord, if that means one of mine, I'll maybe pray more about it. I'll think about it. I don't know what I'll do about it. But anyway, just make sure, you know, Stanton is a great mission field. And it's just right down the field, and they need the Lord. You know, it's kind of what Lisa and I kind of believe. And, uh, or somewhere that'd be fun to travel to. One of those two. But, uh, but anyway, so keep that in mind. So we have regular missions. And when you give to regular missions, which if you do not, as Pastor Sam talked about and he's going to be teaching on, we're commanded to do so. And, and I heard a missionary or a pastor one time say, he was doing a mission conference. He says, not everyone's called to be a missionary, but we should all struggle with it. Why? Because we want to see people come into Christ. But if we're not called, we can give towards it for those who are. And so when you give monthly for missions, and you can put however you give online, envelope, whatever you want to do, just put on there what your tithe is or whatever, then you can write on there for missions, and then just that'll go towards the monthly. Then sometimes you may have us hear us say we're trying to raise for a special project, that would go to special missions. But we're commanded to do so. And I pray that if you do not, that you will do that. This last year, our church gave, just so you kind of know, $750,000 to missions. And so that's coming off COVID years and everything getting back in. And, uh, and our church is, done, is doing well. At this far, we want to give towards that, and we, we continue to give towards that. And the thing is, is that what's hard to be the pastor, and I know Brother Barry struggled with this as well, is there's so many more we want to help, but you can't. You know, there's so many more out there that you want to help. And since COVID, when I've talked to our missionaries since COVID, and a lot of churches struggling financially, even shutting their doors, most of our missionaries, and you think about, we think about pay cuts we took and stuff like that, but they, a lot of those, dropped about 30% of their support. Well, it's not like they can get a side job. They're in another country, so they have to come back, try to get hold of churches to raise their support, to raise more support, to help on that. And it's just a struggle that I wish this was the case, that none of the missionaries that God has called to go ever had to worry about finances. But they do is life we all do as well don't get me wrong but when those things happen like that we think about how much COVID affected us it affected everyone all around the world especially missionaries because when churches cutting back and doing things they begin to really struggle and so want to throw that out there praying for them in that it's financially that they can begin to to help and do and it's kind of like most missionaries live paycheck to paycheck 
And so when something happens and a church doesn't give that month, for whatever reason, they didn't get a paycheck that week or that month. And so just kind of keep that in mind as you, you go through that. Before I finish, I want to ask, is there any questions about anything that I've said? If you have one, we just kind of getting started on what missions is and if there's no dumb questions. One of the things about we're called Independent Baptist Church, we do missions that go and raise money like the Southern Baptists. A lot of times what they do if they get approved by their mission board, they go and all the churches just give in to like a Lottie Moon or some kind of form of missions and they help send them out. But a lot of time, those, it's more organizations they're doing and not church planning and starting churches many times. And the Southern Baptists are trying to kind of get back to doing it the way we do it. We're kind of looking at ways that we could do it better with them. So it takes a missionary on the average 18 months to 24 months, a year and a half to two years, to raise enough support to go. And most time, they starve to death going because if the church takes them on it's one thing but if they don't give them a love offering or anything to continue on they're having to pay for their gas they're having to do all this their hotels or whatever to stay to get to the next place and so a lot of them trying to raise support during COVID all the churches were shut down no one was seeing them and so a lot of them trying to raise support during that time really struggled so it made it longer than a two-year plan to try to raise enough support because you can recognize not every church takes them if you get half of them you need 100 churches, you got to see 200 churches. Well, that can be kind of depressing when you go and you present and they say, sorry. But um, so anyway, any questions? Anybody? I can't see if you had one. But anyway, so let's, here's the thing. I challenge you if you don't give, to give to missions. We're commanded to do it as you start to hear tonight. And then pray for our missionaries. And pray for more to come in the harvest. I know one thing. I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but I know it's closer today than it was yesterday. And we need more people to know Christ. And so we're called to do that. And I pray that you will look for ways and teach your kids about it. Teach your kids about giving to missions. Teach them about how to do that. Let them know who the missionaries are. Maybe you can take one of these and pray with your family and your kids about one of our missionaries. Maybe you can try to find out some things about them if you want to. You can contact the office and we can give you some information, a little bit of information on them if you want to. And you can pray with your kids and start to teach them how to pray for missionaries that maybe have a child your children's age. That's always kind of neat. Then they kind of feel like they even kind of know them. All right, well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. And uh, thank you for coming tonight. And next week we'll continue on with missions as Pastor Sam continues on. Lord, I thank you for the time that we can have tonight. Lord, I thank you that as you commanded us in your word to give. Lord, you commanded us in your word to go out. And Lord, not only in our Jerusalem, but in Samaria, Judea, in the uttermost parts of the world, the end of the earth. And Lord, as, as we try to do that in our own community, Lord, through missions. Lord, we try to do that throughout the world. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we do that. Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom as a church that, Lord, the the ones you would have us support. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our missionaries that are out there, their kids, their families, their marriages, all of these things that Satan wants to attack. And Lord, I pray that you would be with these families, Lord. 
I pray that you'll be with the organizations, Lord, as they're out there. Help them, protect them, make them, help them to make wise decisions. And then, Lord, I pray that as we pray faithfully for our missionaries, Lord, that we will see souls saved for eternity. Lord, one day we can rejoice with them when we know all things. And they'll know we supported, we sent a missionary to them. Lord, they were saved through the gospel. And, Lord, we'll have this common bond. And, Lord, we look forward to that day. Thank you so much for, Lord, the gospel that was presented to us by faithful servants. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to do as well. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. One thing I thought about while I was praying. I mean, I was focused on praying, but let me just say something. Is that we also have in here, you might see, like we have a family we just took on not too long ago. And they're in New York City. I've mentioned him in a service before. He was raised in New York City. And he was struggling with life. And he didn't hate, he was addicted, drugs, all kinds of stuff. He was getting his life clean. He was walking down the street. He got on the subway and someone talked to him about the Lord. They wanted any part of it. He was walking down the street. Someone else said something about the Lord. Wanted no part of it. Then he, he went and he was, there was a guy sweeping outside a little church. And he started talking to him about the Lord. He said, won't you come inside? He gave his life to Christ. Just picked up and went all the way from New York City, all the way to Baptist Bible College, paid his own way, got there pretty much on foot, and began just to work and do things and serve in churches to grow and learn. And so he graduated from Bible College. He's gone back, he and his wife, and they're in New York City. And what he wants to do is he wants to start, is it five churches in each borough? And he's going around. I don't even know what a borough is. He had to explain it to me. It's like little suburbs of New York City. And he's going around to each one of those and starting churches. And, uh, and he's seeing people saved. He understands them. He gets them. And God's blessing him in a great way to his family. But so people like that. He's got a great name, Elvis. <laughs> Who wouldn't come to Elvis's church? I mean, you could really market that thing. I'm just saying. But, uh, but anyway, but I... I I mean, you don't know where they're at. And the gospel is needed here in the United States just like it is around the world. And uh, so when you hear those things, and, and that's why in the classes you can hear the missionary letters and you can hear about what's going on. We can't read all of them. We have 58 missionaries plus two organizations. We can't read them all on one Sunday. So some of them are behind, okay? But uh, so you can just know how to pray for them and encourage them.